Hello and welcome to Purple Pod, the Liberty Rep podcast, with me, Madeline, and me, Nancy. The Purple Pod dives into the ever-changing world of theatre headfirst, speaking with industry professionals and up-and-coming writers, directors and performers, we're looking to have a little bit of a chat and transform your ideas about what a podcast about theatre can be. Our guest today is actor, filmmaker and creative Adam Alley. Since beginning his training at the Royal Exchange Young Company, the television workshop Salford and Contact Young Company, Adam has been a prominent and significant member of the Northern Arts scene. In 2017, Adam's short film Mint was screened at Home Manchester. He also curated 18 in 2018, an exhibition featuring various artists from all over the city to showcase their work. In 2019, Adam was cast in Apple TV's newest drama, Little America, a series that explores the various stories of immigrants in America. Adam's episode, The Son, depicts a gay Arabic man who is forced to flee his oppressive family life to live his life freely and is based on a true story. Adam's newest project is Baba, a short film commissioned by British Council's More Films for Freedom. The film explores the underground LGBT community of Libya. We are so thrilled to welcome Adam to the Purple Pod today. Hello, Adam! Hi! Hi! <laughs> How are Cheers you? Cheers and claps all around. <laughs> That's How amazing. That's such a lovely introduction. Thank you so, so much. I think oh, I've never well. actually had someone kind of summarise it like that, but I love it. It's crazy, like, when all of it is summarised, you realise, like, how many amazing things that you've done you are just smashing it aren't you well thank you very much Madeline I I really appreciate that I love 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 um and feel very very lucky to be able to do kind of like any creative work um because I don't know like you just never realize that when you're like 16 and at high school you never think oh yeah I'm gonna like grow up and I'm gonna be an actor and I'm gonna do these things but like I don't know somehow you know, through perseverance and just kind of like, look, um, it's all kind of come together and things seem to be happening. And I feel very, very lucky. And I don't know, we came up together through like the Manchester scene. So like, mm-hmm. we kind of, you know, it's so for me, it's always, I kind of pinch myself when I see my friends like you or like, you know, people that I was at college with or, you know, uh, acting companies with, like see them go off and do their own things and like become like, fully fledged artists and it's just like it's so crazy but I'm so proud of us all I'm so, so proud of us all um and I think genuinely like Manchester's scene right now like this generation of like young people that are coming up are like just the most amazing incredible individuals and I feel very lucky to be kind of um part of that yeah you said that you were like you were coming up in Manchester scene so you did Royal Exchange and Contact how did you get into that what kind of made you want to get started in it oh that's such a good question um basically I'd have to really cast my mind back to when I was um in high school um I went to a really great high school in North Manchester really diverse I believe there was like over 100 languages spoken at my school and yeah just one day this brilliant woman came in called Rachel Brogan who's um who runs the television workshop Salford, um, a charity that works to kind of educate and kind of give industry experience to kind of young people that are, well, just have a like you know, a, a passion for performance. Um, and yeah, like, you know, before I knew it, I was just 
on sets like at Coronation Street, like getting screen tests and, you know, on the stages, like at stages across Manchester, like Contact and the Royal Exchange. Um, and I don't know, it feels like one opportunity leads onto the other. Like as long as you're kind of, I don't know, I feel like as long as you participate and just find it in yourself to get up that day, you know, like after, especially with like after school, you've had a long day at school and then to go home, have dinner and then run straight back out the door to like, get on the bus to go into town to do these wacky things like I think as long as you can just find it in yourself to do those to, to do that you know yeah things will things will start to 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 happen um I don't know if that makes any sense but I just I feel like sometimes the biggest obstacle is just leaving your house and getting out and just thinking you know what I don't know what I'm gonna do today I don't know what's gonna happen I'm probably really nervous or maybe can't even afford to get on the bus but as long as I make it into town and I can get to that workshop or to just be at this kind of panel or listen to this event or whatever like i don't know it it all it all does something it all kind of accumulates in one day you know you'll get paid <laughs> you know and you'll actually get a role or you'll get a job um i think actors will know what i'm talking about i just yeah, yeah. so speaking of actors when did you realize like you were going to all these drama groups and, and things. When did you realize this is something I want to do for a job? Mm. Um, when did I realize I wanted to do it as a job? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I still kind of even see it as a proper job. You know, like for me, being a freelancer, that kind of lack of like nine to five routine and regimen kind of, it still makes it feel like it's not like it doesn't feel like a chore it doesn't feel like oh i've got to be up and go and do this like it always feels like i have the maybe this is just because you know i i'm in a position where like these sorts of opportunities when i they happen in my own like i kind of i don't know i feel like you we're in an industry as a freelancer where you have to initiate your own project like you know it's not always that you're just going to get a script in the email and you're gonna you know it's it's all going to come to you kind of at your lap. I feel like it's all about putting yourself out there, manifesting what you want to do, being proactive. And so like, I've, I'm at a point in my life now where I try to initiate as much of that as, as, as much as possible. Um, and I've done it enough now where it's kind of at a point where I feel like I can make enough money to survive. Um, like I'm not, I, like I, yeah, I, I still feel like I can work harder and I can, I don't know, like if I would like to be in a position where like I'm, I can say I'm fully stable, but like, you know, as any other actor will admit to you that like we've all got to do like retail jobs every now and then, you know, even if we, we don't admit it, like we all got, we all have to pick up extra shifts or do whatever to make, just to make it work, you know, because, um, yeah. So I guess what I'm saying is like, I don't, acting is and and being creative isn't like my full-time job as I'd love to say it is but it's not um I do lots of other side gigs I do lots of like workshop facilitation and like I'll go into primary schools every now and then to like run you know uh you know like classes or after school clubs and stuff I just do whatever I can do basically in order to be able to sustain um pursuing being an actor and a, and a writer um, and when those brilliant opportunities do kind of when like if I pitch something you know like three I don't know, like maybe one in five times and I pitch something or propose a project, I'll actually be successful and get that, you know, little piece of money, that grant. And, and then I can kind of like 
enjoy a few weeks of not having to do a really boring job, you know? But other than that, sis, she's hustling, <laughs> you know? She's doing whatever it takes to pay the bills. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. I think that's so important because I feel like you've just summed up our lives. Yes. So I feel like you're an incredibly accomplished person. You're legit on Apple TV on a fantastic show. And I think it's really important to say like, oh yeah, I work in Primark, you know? And that's <laughs> that's just the hustle of it. But Can I admit I think... something though? If I applied for a job at Primark, they'd probably reject me because I'm not qualified enough. I, I got rejected from McDonald's. <laughs> I'm not qualified for Madonna no. to join the club but I think I'm I'm not sure if like you feel the same because I think me and Mads get this whilst working together I think there's something that's really like liberating about making your own work that it doesn't feel so scary when you have to do the side hustle and you have to and you're getting all the rejection from the conventional acting yeah and um, um, do those ideas like come straight away or do you have to sometimes pluck them out of thin air just to keep grafting? Um, well, I, I'll kind of, I'll have to say that the most important thing for me is like being as authentic and as genuine as possible kind of in anything I do. So like I would never do a piece of work that I didn't directly relate to or feel like it stemmed from a personal experience. Um, most of the work I do is autobiographical uh, or inspired by true events of people in my life um, or my experiences, because I believe like you're the best person to tell your own story. Like no one's gonna be able to tell your story or your experience better than yourself. Um, there are currently no other queer Libyan writers or filmmakers in the, in the world that I know of. Um, and my latest film is the first of its kind, first in history as the first queer Libyan film um, that's ever been made. And so I guess, what I'm trying to say here is like, it, you know, I find inspiration and I find um, motivation for the work I do kind of from reality, like from real life situations. I know that currently there is no uh, acknowledgement of like LGBT issues um, in Libya. And so I thought, okay, great. Well, I'm, this is a chance for me to make a queer film and raise awareness about the problem and be visible and vocal about like the issue. So that's an example of like, you know, identifying a problem and then making a piece of work to kind of try to eradicate that problem or at least kind of like start a conversation. Um, I would love to be able to kind of, and I, and I think also sometimes switching it up and doing something like so, you know, um, out there and like, you know, not autobiographical is a good thing, but it's just, I'm at a point in my life where I'm trying to finesse I'm sorry, not finesse. I'm trying to hone in on who I am as an artist and like what my voice is, what I'm trying to say. Um, so I'm really trying to kind of like go at that, you know, like, you know, really try to establish myself as a queer Arabic artist and a filmmaker and actor. Um, and then I feel like once I've done a good job at telling that narrative, then uh, obviously I'll consider doing other things. Um, some people don't like doing that. You'll find lots of actors that like to constantly transform and do different things all the time and keep switching it up. But I think for me, um, I consider myself uh, an activist as well as a creative. And so it's much more political. Um, but I don't know, that may, maybe that's just something I've inherited from my mum. She's also like a human rights activist and uh, advocates for women's rights in, in the Middle East. So uh, may, maybe it's something I've just gotten from her, but I've, I have a real kind of, I have this, feeling of like 
I want to do good with my art because that's how I enjoy it. It's not like a direct, like I, I love acting and being on stage and being on camera and, you know, dissecting scripts and writing, but like the actual joy I get is from like people receiving stuff and like seeing themselves in it, maybe possibly, you know, trying to make um, change, you know, like, I, I don't know. I that, That's just kind of, I've taken a real kind of political, um, standpoint with all my pieces of work uh, but I don't know I don't know I hope that kind of you know gives you a sense of like I, I don't know if I've made very much sense at all um, it's also really weird to talk about like your work and kind of what your whole like you know ethos is as an artist because I, I think it's all very strange everyone's got a very different um, approach to the way they work and how they take on work um, but that's per personally where I'm at right now um, is is really trying to make a change and you know my dream is to one day spearhead like the first pride march you know in Libya or in Tunisia or in Egypt like in North Africa basically um, and and maybe even develop a series or something that is about kind of queer um, heroes and activists coming together to, to make a real change uh, so yeah yeah so much just you're so you just oh, just oh, I just love start. the way <laughs> I couldn't get my words out that's embarrassing I was like you just you just um I just I love how just the way you explain that the way that you, I love that you are an activist as well as an actor I just think to you the two going hand in hand uh is just fab and we'll get onto Little America shortly because we want a big chunk of time to talk about that but you did mention uh, your film uh, that you are making at the moment that is in the works um, so first I'd like it's a bit of an A and a B so question A how did you get into the world of filmmaking and, and, and why was that something that you felt interested you and part b if you can talk about your new um project baba uh, would you be able to share a anything about the inspiration of that it's, it's a little it's a daunting question that how did i get, get into filmmaking because a bit like walking and breathing it's just something that comes instinctively like to to me um uh but if i had to really think about it um i grew up in a house with loving parents and a, a loving family but I was always disconnected. Um, I was always that one kid that like, who was just kind of like staring, you know, was zoned out, watch, looking at TV, just kind of like processing everything and in my own world. Um, maybe because I was so connect, kind of, I was always so fascinated by the magic of movie making and cinema um, and people playing other people and like dressing up in costumes, you know? Um, I remember when I was like 12, uh, I'd put my name on the CBBC website. You could go to like get involved bit and like you could like sign yourself up for like different shows and stuff. And I would always find myself like refreshing that, looking for anything to get involved in. And like this one time, Steve Bakshaw, the guy that does all like the, you know, animal Madagascar, like he's got like a, a show about animals and stuff like that. And I used to, I, I, I loved that. Um, and they had this casting for like, a show where they were going to send a few kids out to Madagascar to like learn about animals and whatever. And I actually sent in an application form and like, I remember I like 
drew around my application foam like lots of different animals like bats and giraffes and things and colored it in and i guess that made my application stand out um uh and i made an email just to sign up for the show uh it was like something stupid well, i won't say it on here but it was like a stupid thing um you know like burgers three four six five <laughs> like that kind of thing at hotmail.com and yeah i sent in my application and then i uh, i got an email back saying that like i'd gotten through and i was literally like in tears like i was like this is it guys i've made it i'm going to hollywood <laughs> um <laughs> and uh yeah my dad took me to media city that was around when media city was kind of opening up um and people big kind of media companies were moving down to manchester and i literally felt like i was stepping onto like hollywood boulevard like i got we got out the car i was like you know in my mind like i'm miley cyrus like <laughs> um and yeah we went in there it was great i took part like in the casting process and they were asking us questions and they made us like pick up tarantulas and like you know talk about like the difference between like poison and like um venom and like it was like the craziest thing ever but anyway long story short i didn't get through sadly but being at media city and being around all those cameras and all those people i think i caught the bug and i was like oh this is it yeah this is what i want to do and ever since then anything that i could get my stick my, my teeth stuck into anything that i can get involved in um i was on it you know so i would like go on facebook casting pages and i'd you know look out for call outs and i'd always tell my drama teacher if there's anything please let me know you know obviously it was in every school play audition for every every single thing i could get involved in at school and one thing led to another you know like i basically left high school with a real real passion for performing and filmmaking and storytelling um and yeah and then i just started writing because i realized as well like i was always going to just regurgitate what other people wanted me to be you know typecast me as and and i was like the only way to resolve this and the only way that i can play myself you know like gay libyan adam was like if i wrote gay libyan adam you know and so i started to write um and 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 that first project was min you know not necessarily like my proudest moment like not also if if i could go back i would change so many things about the film but i feel like you have to do lots of really bad work before you've remote you're remotely proud of anything you do you know like i if you if you i i you would literally have to like tie me down handcuff me before i sat down and watched that film again um that would give me major ptsd but when i look at the behind the scenes photographs of me on set and working with actors and stuff i realized that is when i started to learn what it meant to be on set you know what it meant to work with other creatives and collaborate you know um and so it, it, it i think that was when i caught the bug when i was young and kind of like taking part in all these casting projects and now i'm at a stage really where like i there's just no turning back you know like there is i can't imagine kind of not being able to make films um uh, which is kind of why lockdown has been really difficult because um i have been lucky enough to be on a few sets in lockdown but i know that the collaborative process and pre-production in the lead up to any kind of production has been a nightmare for everyone because it's just like long hours on uh zoom and major screen fatigue which is so uninspiring um and actually i find can be the opposite to like pro uh, productive you know can actually really mess and ruin people's relationships and stuff like it's just been really really difficult to get anything done um 
which is why I am really, really proud to talk about BABA, um, our BFI British Council film. Um, we were successful in application form, myself and Sam Abba, um, my collaborator and co-creator. Um, we, we talked, we've, we've worked together like a few years ago on one of his shorts and then had the opportunity to um, work on this um, after finding the call out and being like, yeah, dude, this feels like the right thing that we can kind of like join forces on. And, uh, you know, many, many hangout sessions um, and lots of conversations kind of just trying to figure out what it, what it was we were specifically trying to say. And we agreed that like Libya needed a film. It needed someone to tell its story. It needed um, a springboard, you know, a conversation starter. Uh, whether or not it was going to be the best queer Libyan film, like wasn't the concern. It was more about just doing something, just making something, you know, uh, it's not going to please everyone. Um, straight Libyan people aren't going to like it. Queer Libyan people are probably not going to think it's good enough, you know, but someone has to do something. And so, um, yeah, we started writing, we consulted with lots of people, you know, it was heavily inspired by my life when I used to live in Libya and growing up. Um, and yeah, it feels like a film that's really hopeful and looks to the future, you know. Um, and I really, really hope that kind of it helps someone. Um, and more importantly, I hope it's a catalyst for more films to follow, you know, for more people to say, actually, no, like we've had enough, you know. Um, I think it's time that we carve out a, a place for us in cinema, you know, Libya needs to kind of have its needs to have, you know, a, a piece of the cake and a, a, a moment to kind of like, I don't know, like, tell our nuanced stories. Um, it's got such a rich history, a country that is genuinely has one of the most interesting, like, cultures and histories, you know, and, and there's barely anything, um, except for like a few, maybe one or two films that have uh, that exist internationally. So um, it's definitely ripe for, you know, story, like for stories and stuff. Oh my God, I feel like I've spoken for so long. Sorry. Not at all. It's your Not podcast. It's your episode. Please. You can talk <laughs> as long as you want. <laughs> I also feel like you tell stories in such a way that is so captivating. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, tell me more. T tell yeah, me, tell seriously. Me all, tell me all about Libby. Because also, like, this is the thing when you don't know about it, when you hear about it for the first time, you're like, I'm on board, tell, tell mm -hmm. me. And it's the same yeah. with, it's that what I find so impressive about you is that you're still relatively very young and yet you're very aware of this nuance that is going like throughout your career and you're like actively encouraging that, which is amazing. Because. Mm -hmm. Thanks girl, thank you. Most people I tell about, most people I, I, I like mention Libya to are like, uh, wait, do you mean Liberia? I'm like, no, 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 Libya. Wait, mm. Lebanon? No, 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 Liberia. No, like, and it just, people like genuinely can't seem to wrap their head around that Libya is a country and it exists. And and even if they have heard of it um, and not like Lithuania or whatever, they're like, oh, isn't that where like Gaddafi's from? And like that guy who like died and it was like in the news and like that guy got assassinated and blah, 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 blah. I'm like, yeah. Like if you literally Google Libya, you will have to scroll for like five minutes before you see a picture that doesn't involve like some sort of like rubble or gun or like, you know, some basically like a, a shit ton of like um, European journalists have gone over there during the spring war. 
and just kept, like photographed the Libya that they want people to see, which isn't the beautiful, the, the beautiful seaside and like, you know, the coastal towns and the palm trees and the amazing architecture and like Roman um, historical uh, sites that exist there. Um, they'll, they'll like show you the Libya that they want the media to portray. And, uh, and so it's like basically a lot of what we're trying to do here is kind of like, you know, uh, rewind a bit, kind of rewind and start over and try to reset um, that perspective that people have of, the, of, of, of um, my country, which I'm very proud to be from. Um, and I think, and I, and I kind of understand what you mean about being so self-aware. Well, thank you for that. Um, we have a little quote from you here, so I'm going to read it to you. Uh, so you said, um, nothing was scarier than being asked whether or not I would go ahead and audition for Little America's Call Out. It was the scariest and best decision I ever made. Roles that made me uncomfortable used to be a deterrent and now that's the most attractive quality that I'm drawn to. I wish I could say all the exciting things to follow. So, can you tell us a little bit more about the whole Little America experience um, and what it was like for you? So, um, did you find the process liberating as well as scary? And what kind of things excite you in a project? That was quite a full question. So, um, yeah. I love, I love, love, love that I was... Um quoted just then I think that is so cool uh thank you for of quoting course. me um wow I need to get used <laughs> to that <Hell. laughs> um Little America came around uh through my brilliant agent Darren Gordon and uh, Morello Cherry and yeah I was in my first year at uni just like a standard you know law-abiding ordinary film student just a little good girl you know getting minding her own business, doing her uni work assignments. And then lo and behold, I get this email, um, secret project originally was called Dream or no, it's a secret kind of, a uh, lot of TV shows will have a fake name, like a, like a, I don't know, working type, whatever. Yeah. And that was kind of the, the secret kind of name was Dream. And already I looked like, I love the sound of that because I am such a dreamer. Um, and they were looking for a queer Arabic um, actor. And it was so funny because I tell everyone this, I got it on my birthday, like the 6th of March, um, 6th of March, 2019 or 2020, I don't remember now, 2019, I think, yeah. And my friend Georgia was over and uh, so was Lalio. And we were watching like Drag Race or something. And I saw the email, I was like, guys, what are the chances that I like, this is some like refugee, like terrorist, like, you know, role. And they were like, no way, no way, shut up, just open it. I opened it and I was like, oh no, wait, he's actually queer and he's Arabic and he's Muslim. Wait, this is good, this is me. So I call my agent, I'm like, we have to do whatever I can, like whatever we can basically do to get this because this has got me written all over it. Um, and already at the back of my mind that saboteur that kind of like devil's advocate is saying you're never gonna get this because this is in america and guess what america doesn't like you so you're not gonna get in but i'm like well i might as well just audition and just see what happens you know so um i, I audition i send the tapes off and 
don't hear back for a very long time. And then when I finally do hear back, it's not just an ordinary recall. Uh, they've asked for me to speak to the director on FaceTime. And, you know, this is like some big shot kind of American, actually Stephen's Canadian, uh, Stephen Dunn, the director. Uh, but yeah, I'm like, you want me to FaceTime LA? Uh, and I, he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's going to call you, you know, because America is a different time zone. He's going to call you at like 9 p.m. or whatever it was um, tonight. And I'm like, uh, okay, um, what do I do? What do I say? Like, I'm so, I'm freaking out. Like, and by the way, I'm at uni at this point, like getting on with my uni work and my friend, um, George is like, what the hell's going on? I'm like, I can't, because also, you know, you've got, there's a certain level of discretion around all of this stuff. So it's like, you know, NDAs and things. So I can't really say much, but I'm just like, girl, I've got, a, I've got a FaceTime with an American director. What do I do? Um, so anyway, that night I speak to Stephen and he drops me a text. He's like, hey, sorry. I'm just like on a hike at the moment, but like, I'll, I'll take, and I'm just like, that is the most LA thing ever. He's like, he's on a hike and he's going to FaceTime me afterwards when he gets home. Um, and yeah, so we FaceTime that night, we chat about the role, we talk about like, he's just, he's just really friendly, like just really informal conversation and kind of a bit about, he gives me an insight into what the project's about and it's just got me written all over it, you know? Um, it's inspired by a true story. Um, and it's kind of what I'm, like now I feel like, you know, me today, had it not been for Little America, like I wouldn't be the person I am because it's really informed that, level of like no 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 like don't settle you know aim high make sure that every project you do has got a really good meaning and message behind it you know like you can still create an amazing piece of entertainment that is factual educational and raises awareness um and yeah like we were literally raising awareness we were telling a story of a real kind of syrian man who had um uh had been outed and he was basically on the run, you know, um, until he managed to get asylum, asylum and move to um, America. And yeah, so I, so I, I do the conversation with Stephen, basically like in the next few days I found out I booked the job um, and like my agent was like discussing fees and my travel arrangements and all of that stuff. And I was just like, I can't believe I'm being whisked, whisked off. Um, whisk, whisked off to the States to film a TV show, which originally was meant to be shot in New Jersey. Um, and then, yeah, like, I then get the bad news, which I was expecting. Um, they can't get me a visa to work in America. It got rejected. And uh, I, that's it. Like, I literally sob. I'm, like, breaking down. I'm, like, the one chance I get to do a role like this, I lose out on. Um, why is it me? What have I done wrong, you know? Um, but they, they managed to figure out a situation and they literally move an entire production, like that entire shoe to a different country, Canada, just so I can be part of the show. It was kind of, uh, I don't know, it was, how do I say this? Kind of like a good news and bad news at the same time. Um, Good news because obviously I'd booked the job, but bad news because um, bittersweet is what I'm trying to say. It was bittersweet because I couldn't quite, I didn't anticipate that they were going to move the entire production to Montreal. Um, and that is testament to what the show strives for really is 
when they say we're going to do an authentic piece of work, like they really mean it. You know, they they don't just talk the talk; like they actually show that their actions speak um, for it. Um, I feel like sometimes businesses and 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 kind of production companies or major studios will want to tell a story of like. Um, you know, ethnic minorities and people in situations that are really, really difficult. Um, and it, and it's kind of done through an exploitative way where they'll tell your story, but they're not prepared to do what it takes to kind of like actually make your, you know, improve your life or, or make the experience positive for you, if that makes any sense. So like they were, re I feel like Apple really um, uh, tailored the experience um, and, and, uh, catered to like all the things I needed to, to do. So for instance, they moved the production, you know, they made sure I had like the right support after the show. And, you know, because um, as you can imagine being part of like a huge kind of, I believe that the sun is kind of the most, like the, the um, highest, as far as like queer cinema is concerned and like Arab, you know, uh, stories like that is like the biggest platform a story like that is ever had with like the biggest amount of viewership um it was banned in 11 countries i believe our episode um, around the world which i think is so funny like i'm not my you know places like you know saudi arabia and like russia and stuff um but lots of people would like pirate the episode and message me like i'm really sorry i know like this is really bad to admit we've pirated the episode but we love your performance we think it's great um, so I can't really, I can't really say anything, can I? It's not, it's not my fault. Um, but Apple did, it did try to kind of amend that issue. But you know, it is what it is. Um, clearly, there's more work to be done. But, but yeah, I mean, it was a really positive experience. Being on set was amazing. I got to work with Haz, Haz Sleiman, who's like an amazing Lebanese American actor. You know, I swear he's in like the, the Eternals right now with like Angela Jolie. And I was just like, the fact that I got to work with him is like, <laughs> so cute <laughs> just like really like you know like when you think about like degrees of separation you know that's when it really messes with me i'm like so technically i was on set with angelina jolie i can say that right just being next to him you know um yeah no i don't know it's wild it's really wild man like i know obviously a huge planet lots of people but really our industry is so small like like for instance, just today, I'm I'm going on a tangent here, but just today, I was um, speaking to my friend Jordan Fitzsimon, who's like an American Canadian, uh, American like comedian, queer activist, on Instagram, and I like checked his following, and Harry Styles follows him, and so does Ariana Grande, because he makes these like funny TikTok videos and stuff, and I was like, I just sent him a, a message in the morning, and I was like, question, Harry Styles follows you, what is that like? you know <laughs> and he was like what did he reply i think he said something like uh yeah it was good when we were flirting and i was like huh excuse me backtrack i have follow-up questions <laughs> but yeah so I, I it's a small world and i feel like honestly like one thing leads to another and and the goal is really that i'll just keep keep working my little butt off um until you know those roles get bigger and bigger and bigger and little America, who knows like little america that that character that that show um could inspire like another project you know i think it's really done that people have seen that and 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 uh, really taken to it and i think it goes to show like there is a demand there is an appetite there for the story we're telling but also like the the format you know and that kind of like 
quick paced, you know, um, anthology format. Um, and yeah, off the back of that performance, I got um, a nomination for Film Independence Spirit Awards um, as like, what is the, I, I don't actually remember like the official title, but I think it's like best lead in fictional series or something wild like that. I know girl, I know, I know. Um, little old Adam from Cheat Mail um, getting nominated mm, for Spirit So Award. hang on, hang on. Wow. Um, I knew this already and this was actually one of the questions. So listeners don't think we were trying to brush it under the carpet because we weren't. Um, we were definitely going to talk about this. But um, so we'll have to just skip to that because we're not we're not brushing over that. So what was it like to get a film independent? Independent Film Spirit Award. I don't know why I've written it. I love how no one knows the name of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what though? It was, it was mad because I was just in bed, and my friend, my phone started like ding, 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 ding. Like, like messages were coming through, and I was like, "What's going on?" Like, and then uh, one of my friends, one of my Libyan friends, was on Twitter and had seen that it was trending, the Spirit Awards nominations, and like people like Michaela Cole, I May Destroy You, and lots of other brilliant shows were being nominated. Um, and I was just, as a film fan, um, I was just like, I want to see what this is about. So I, I look and lo and behold, Mr. Adam Ali is nominated. And I'm like, huh? Is there another, I literally Google, is there like another Adam Ali out there? And there isn't. It's like, it's actually me. So I'm just like, what the hell is going on? Um, and yeah, like I message uh, my agent. I tell them what's, I'm like, hey, by the way, like, I think I've just been nominated for an award. And it's one of those weird WhatsApp messages where I'm like, Darren, um, I don't know what's going on right now, but I think I've just been nominated. And he's like, huh, what the? And genuinely, like the next hour is a black, I just blacked out. I have no idea what happened. Um, but it's it's huge for me. It's really, really huge for me. Like you, you, it really, I can't put into words what it feels like because like all I keep thinking is like, you know, 12 year old Adam never expected this, never anticipated this. And it makes all those times that I've had those difficult conversations with my parents or when I've been on the mega bus back from London from an audition that I haven't got, you know, um, and like has spent all my savings just to get to that. It makes all those awful, awful experiences worthwhile, you know, um, and reminds me, or I don't know, it just makes me feel like actually I'm not, you know, something clearly is, is, is I'm doing something right, you know? Um, and I think we all need that little bit of encouragement sometimes, uh, whether it's, you know, a, an award or whether it's a message from someone saying, hey, I just watched your piece. You know, I just watched you, I connected with your show. Thank you so much for doing that, you know, or whether it's getting your first paycheck, like all these little moments, like they affirm what we're trying to do. Um, and yeah, sadly, obviously I won't be attending the ceremony in America, but like, and whatever happens, whether I win or not, um, I just getting the nomination, just being recognized is is a massive big deal for me um, and has opened up lots of doors. It's meant that like my self tapes that, that, that come through have like doubled since. So I, I just feel very, very lucky. Um, and, you know, um, I, I honestly, I would kind of let it, let it be kind of testament to any actor out there, like no matter where you are, whatever those obstacles may be, like, just hang in there, girl, hang in there, you know, 
um, manifest that positive energy, just be kind, just do your, you know, on set, genuinely. Every, and because, you know, I came up on sets, like I was telling you guys, I did lots of acting, but also like lots of runner work. And like, I would just volunteer and just try to be on set. Like my whole thing is like, be as nice as possible to every single person. And I would literally befriend everyone. It actually freaked some people out on set that like the second lead was like trying to kick, you know, start a conversation, but I'd literally go to catering. I'd go to like, I, oh, I'm a I kept talking to this woman at catering on set who watched Drag Race before Canada's Drag Race came out. And me and her were just like fangirling about like Trixie Mattel and all these like big drag queens, right? And to this day, we still follow each other. And when I got the nomination, she messaged me and I was just like, oh my God, I want to be back in Canada so bad to like see everyone again. It was the loveliest, loveliest crew. Um, and it goes without saying a nomination for an actor is because of the entire production, is because of every single person, wardrobe, catering, you know, your gaffers, every single person um, has enabled you to be able to give the performance that you give. And so like, it takes a village, you know, it really, really bloody does. Um, Little America, Apple are very, very proud of the nomination and they're working really hard to kind of to basically bring back the show for season two um it's already been booked for season two sadly i won't be part of it but i think it's still amazing that and we get this new set of anthology kind of episodes or a bunch of a, a, a bunch of new stories um and it's just exciting um i feel very lucky to be part of the show's legacy and like history and stuff i was gonna say to because to be nominated for anything is amazing but to be nominated for something that really is so well-meaning and was so executed so well and was such a positive experience for you, that's so lovely. Um, yeah. So, I mean, so if anyone hasn't watched it, so basically Adam's character um, manages to Zane. escape from... Zane. To yeah. manages to escape from his violent family to live freely as his true self. And it's all about queer representation and living authentically. So what was mm. that like to embody that, to portray that? And what do you think needs to be changed about the industry so we can get more yeah. accurate queer representation? In well, our I just woke up. I just, I just woke up, um, learned my lines, put on a bit of skincare, a bit of chapstick and stepped onto set, darling, because it's actually my life. You know what I mean? It's basically a documentary, darling. <laughs> I'm not gonna sit here and be like, yeah, it was like a method experience. Like I just no 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 no. Zane is very much Adamali um and is very much everything I'm about. Um I had a dialect, brilliant dialect coach who helped me finesse my Syrian accent because Libyan and Syrian are very, very different. Um but yeah, it was it was a brilliant experience and like I um spoken I spoke to my friend Boca who's like a fashion designer in London at the moment uh, like I say Martin's so like this brilliant fashion school and he's Syrian and he also had a similar experience to Zane so I just told him about the character and I was like hey like do you have any advice for me and he just said have fun and I think that really summarizes it have fun you know just there is such um a cliche around like queer films but specifically queer Arab films about them having to have a tragedy and he's like no 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 girl don't worry about that just have fun and I think that is basically the, the core of every queer experience we're survivors you know we're not going to sit there and cry and 
you know, mop about the shit that's happened to us. No, we're going to laugh about it. You know, there's going to be a punchline. We're going to make a, you know, crack a joke and just get on with it because there's no point, you know, um, feeling bad for yourself. That does nothing. And I think that is very much what Zane is about and what he encompasses is basically find the joy in every single moment, you know, see the silver lining and be a dreamer, like be an absolute dreamer, whether it means you get, you know, whether it, because you go to America and you can be yourself and you know there isn't kind of as much um there's a bit more freedom right or you know you regardless where you are in the world it's just looking after yourself and finding little moments that let you express yourself whether it's painting your nails or you know um whatever it is that that that, that little form of expression you know let, let you know just constantly find the bravery to be defiant, you know, and resist and be yourself and express yourself unapologetically. Um, I think that's what Zane is all about. And I bloody love him. I hope that one day I get to, you know, bring him back to life and, and play him again or whatever, but we'll see. It's so interesting um, how you said that in a lot of queer cinema and queer dramas, etc., there is always, um, a tragedy or like an impending feeling of like death or doom like um but with there was a film um i saw uh called god's own country i don't know if you've seen that um josh o'connor and um another actor i'm not sure what his name was but he was absolutely incredible and and, and that was such a warm um it just had a really positive i just i loved that film and um i just thought the ending of it was was hopeful it was joyful and i think again that is so um so true um about what you say that we need more of that yeah um, 100 100% i think it's one of those things that like how do i say this i think there's despite the risk and the danger and the work that needs to be done there is no you know, without a shadow of a doubt, being queer and growing up um, around adversity and, res- and, and, and homophobia uh, or transphobia, there is, I find that there's always some sort of thrill to it. And there is a story other than the misery or the, you know, the, the, the sadness to be told, like the thrill and the comedy in those moments, you know, like, there's nothing quite like it. Like, you know, if you think about like Roscoe's storyline in um, It's a Sin and his exit, you know, and that brilliant line, which I can't think now, but like, is it's, do you remember it, Madeline? I, 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 like, um, piss off Avenue and- Like you'll find w- WA fuck off Avenue or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, amazing. It's that, that's what I'm talking about. It's like that kind of like, just, there is just nothing quite like it, you know? Um, and, I think if more of that was kind of told of those moments of joy and um, uh, of, of uh, tenacity kind of were more apparent, you know, in stories, I think that's probably more of an authentic representation of what it's really like. And I actually always find that like those tend to be the films that are made by queer people and written by queer people. And it's only when actually people that maybe shouldn't be telling those stories, um, it's their perspective, their uh, take on what it's like being queer that end up making the tragedy films um, and yeah shade sorry not sorry but that is just so it's so kind of true if you think about it it's sort of like a, a straight person's 
straight um, gaze that the straight mm. gaze their interpretation of what being queer is like and it's 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 yeah. it's so um incredible to see patronizing right. belittling actually yeah, yeah absolutely and um it's kind of turned into a russell t davis podcast this because every episode i'm pretty sure we've dropped in how much we love him but his um pieces are just so you can just tell that they are written by um a man who understands exactly where these characters are coming from and and yeah. i just yeah i just think he's amazing but we, anyway we 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 we, we stand russell t davis um i'm sure i'm sure this will make its way back to him if you try hard enough he's he's not very um he's anyway anyway he's a lovely lovely person <laughs> really is he really is and um, we met him I've, I've talked about this but we we met him once we did a show at the royal exchange and he was just so lovely what a yeah lovely he, i always bump into well i don't actually ever speak to him but i always bump into him uh, around the um the city center like well before obviously lockdown you you just have to look out for a very very tall man um that probably will be russell t davis yeah. he's very lovely yeah. and yeah yeah okay so <laughs> That's all of our questions. I just got our questions have run out. We're just in. Are you being serious? Is my last question going to be about Russell T Davis? <laughs> no, we need. We need. So I, I was going to say, um, how do you think, as a industry, we can best move to authentically portray these queer stories? I mean, I think a big one that a lot of people are talking about is actually having queer actors telling the story. Um, but yeah, I'll leave that to you. I mean, um, that's what I've been seeing around and about, but, um, do you have any other thoughts about how that could be done as, um, also? That is a really good question. And actually a question I'm so glad you're asking. And I hope people are having more discussions about, uh, internally and externally, uh, organizations, businesses, youth clubs, theater groups, you, you name it. Um, I would encourage anyone who has any capacity of authority or power um, or leverage in, in those positions, in their positions in the creative industry to really reflect and look at the, the boards that their companies have and the people within your team, you know, how diverse are they? Um, do you have people in your, people of color in your team? You know, do you have people that, uh, that reflect a different opinion to yours? You know, um, are you surrounded by yes people, you know, like what, what kind of team, uh, what kind of people um, are collaborating and delivering on, on these projects, you know? Um, do you run consultancies, you know? Do you, before you make pieces of work, do you like check in with the people that the work is about and get their piece on it, you know? Do you pay them for, the, for their time? Um, I, I, I find that with many organizations and arts organizations, you know, externally on their leaflets, on their programs, you'll see that, you know, the, 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 the face of the organization, the poster child, whatever, will likely be, you know, a person of color, uh, a black woman, a black man, whatever, you know, someone who is um, not actually like the person making the decisions, but just someone that they've kind of like wrangled in to do a piece of work and then will, you know, plaster that all over their organization to make it seem like, you know, they're all on board with like Black Lives Matter and like um, diversity and all these sorts of things. Um, so it's all very performative, you know, um, but I'm hopeful and I'm 
a really enthusiastic person and, and optimistic about the future. I'm not here to kind of drag anyone. I think there's lots of work to be done and everyone's very aware of that by this point. Um, and so I would encourage anyone um, and even like writers and people, you know, to just really work twice, three times as hard. Cause I know it's easy to tell the story that you've told again and again and again, but like think about how you can support more people, you know, and tell stories you haven't told before, you know, stories you, to clarify stories that you should be telling, right? Um, and, and no way am I saying, you know, you know, uh, force diversity in your, um, like I make a joke the day I was like, I know they're filming Peaky Blinders around Manchester at the moment. And I was like, um, what are the chances of an Arab existing, you know, in the 18th century or whatever it's, whenever it's set, um, uh, just kind of even in the background, they're like, um, probably not. Um, so that's fine. I'll let Peaky Blinders off on this occasion. But, you know, it's just that kind of thing of just like, you know, why don't we all think outside the box? Like, why don't we think about like, what would it look like if we had a queer chosen family film, you know, that was set in the Victorian times. And they were all like a bunch of like, like Oliver Twist, but it's queer. And you had like drag queens and all, you know, it, it just like, just think outside. But what if, what if we all went, made a film about like the prehistoric stone age, you know, and you had like non-binary or like, um, uh, 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 just like, I don't know, like a, just just like just batshit crazy stories like you know put two and two together and just see what you could just think like of like star wars but it's all queer you know like what would that like drag race in space you know just things that are like so outside the box um and you know obviously all my, all my examples are so so silly and stupid but that's what i'm trying to say is just like thinking being innovative and thinking about you know um the extraordinary um yeah I don't know. That's, I guess that's how my brain's working anyway. That's what I'm thinking about of doing. Um, and, or at least not right now anyway, because I'm, I'm very much about kind of like, um, I, I don't know if I'm in a position right now to be making um, Victorian queer cinema at the minute, but I'll get around to that. I'll add it to the bucket list. But I guess what I'm just saying, like, yeah, exactly. There's definitely a niche for it. Um, I'm just storyboarding at the moment. I'm just putting feelers out there. If you want to make a Victorian yeah. queer film, <laughs> slide in the DMs. Let's talk about it. Yeah. Bridgerton, but it's all queer. Oh, this has just been just fascinating. And it, it's been such a privilege to talk to you, honestly. Like, you're so insightful. You've got so much experience, but you, you still remain to be so humble and, and open to give uh, your expertise to people who might be dreaming to be in your position. So thank Oh my you God, thank so you. Much. No, I love, I love, I love you guys. I'm so proud to be Mank. I'm so proud of my city. I'm so proud of like all of us. And I think that have survived um, the kind of circumstances that we've been through and to still be, you know, pursuing, um, you know, our careers and, and what we're doing. I genuinely feel like there's such a, I don't know, I think what we're doing or what we should aim to do is fortify the power and fortify the community of like young emerging creatives and if we all just like looked after one another you know and and vouched for each other and you know it you know it's it's like the little things you know you see a call out you see a little job opportunity and you, you send it to that person that you think is right for it you know it's like just as little things like that or even as far as like if you are in a position to employ your friends or people who you feel like are right for jobs then go for it you know like let's support the community around us before we start, you know, 
supporting like the big conglomerates and the big huge superstars because you know they've they've already made it but what about people around you you know um and that's why i'm so proud of what you guys are doing i'm so proud of owen i'm so proud of like all of our friendship group and the people around me i just feel like the come up is kind of um collective and that is so exciting i can't wait till we all kind of like reflect and look back and be like oh my god do you remember that time we did that thing and we were like 16 and or whatever I don't know maybe mm-hmm. you know what I'm trying to say though of course I do yeah. yeah yeah well thank you so much for coming on to the purple pod today we are we have been so lucky to listen to you speak and um I'm sure we'll be making projects together in the future fingers crossed once all this is gone it would be amazing so thank you so much for listening to the purple pod I was Mads And I have been Bronte, so it's a bye from me. Bye. I always talk of your bye and a bye from me. Bye.